You're listening to Once Upon a Time at the Movies, a retrospective podcast where we look back at a classic film and take a deep dive into its history, discuss how it put its stamp on Hollywood, share our own thoughts with a superfan special guest, and ask the question, how does this classic still hold up today? Let's dive in. Once upon a time in 1978, audiences were terrified by a masked, knife-wielding escaped murderer stalking babysitters in the quiet town of Haddonfield, Illinois on Halloween night. I am your host, Juan Ayala, television and film critic over at MediaVillage.org and host of the podcast, Actors with Issues, here to talk all about the film that practically began the modern slasher genre, which remains alive and well nearly 50 years later. John Carpenter's Halloween, and joining us for this trip to the movies is stand-up comedian and Halloween superfan, Gerardo Pilati. Gerardo, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. I of love talking horror. So uh, tell the folks a bit about yourself and why you love movies in general and what sticks out to you about Halloween. Why is it a classic? Great question. Uh, a little bit about me. Uh, so I'm a stand-up comedian in New York City when uh, they asked me to be, and uh on my downtime, I just watch a lot of horror movies, shows, um, just to pass the time. I like to say uh, life already was scary, so I don't think I can be scared by any horror movie anymore. So now it's just like really fun reveling in all that happens and the nonsense that they write up for some of these poor victims. Yeah. And sometimes the killers. Yeah, sometimes the killers. Um, but yeah, it's a little about me. Uh, yeah, I love watching all movies, any movie, but especially right now, like this is like we're in the peak of oh yeah horror and like Halloween, mm-hmm. spooky spooky time. Yeah, yeah. I always renew my AMC Plus subscription around this time of year so I can get that whole library of horror films that they have because they have everything on there. Everything is yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. we but yeah, uh, we just did the AMC Plus thing, so I'm like, wait a minute, why haven't I had this forever? <laughs> I've been using Shutter for the longest time now, and right. I didn't realize how incredible Shutter was. Mm-hmm. And magical. now Shutter, I think, is on AMC Plus as well. It's, it's on AMC Plus, Plus, yeah, because yeah. they were like, "Let's take it. Yeah. Why don't we take them?" Smart. So with Halloween, uh, I mean, I assume you were not around in 1978 when the movie first came out. Absolutely, You're not. obviously not 45 or older than that if you saw it back then. But when did you first see Halloween? I think the first time I was in middle school and we had in middle school, we had like this crazy teacher, Mr. Hernandez, and he decided that one uh, that like uh, fall, he was going to show us like horror films. Mm-hmm. I want to say this was like seventh grade. He showed us like The Ring. He showed what? us. Correct. And this is a private Catholic middle school. <laughs> He showed us the ring, he showed us the omen, he showed us signs, and then he showed us Halloween. And that was like the first time I ever was really introduced to horror in yeah. that way. And I just remember being so terrified every time we were in Mike Myers' mask. That always got me. As a kid, yeah. I was like, oh my God, I'm the killer. It, I don't know why. And then I've just, oh, I watched it almost every year. Mm. I'll, I'll watch at least a couple Halloween movies every year. Because later on, they got even better. H2O. Ooh. <laughs> That's one of the few great sequels out there, but we'll get into that in a bit. But um, <laughs> with me, I was like many, like, you know, 90s babies who were not around for a lot of these like classic movies. And I watched it on AMC Fear Fest every October 
just these oh, constant right. marathons all October long. And, um, you know, they had like, I think on, what was it back then? Uh, ABC family had like their 31 days of Halloween or, but those weren't the horror movies. That was like the hocus pocus and the, yeah, the cute ones. Yeah. But I was so into horror. Mind you, I love, I still love horror movies, obviously, but like I wasn't the type who like growing up was like, oh, I wasn't scared. Like, oh no, I was horrified. I would give myself nightmares, like thinking like, oh my God, Michael Myers is like in my dark closet and I don't, I can't see him. Or, you know, if it's like the grudge, you're like, oh my God, she's going to crawl down from the, or, you know, it's, or if you see static on the TV, the ring like i was one of those kids but i loved those movies i love that weird sense of like dread and fear let's keep your adrenaline up and then i you know grew up to be an actor so it's like <laughs> you got to channel all it that worked out yeah <laughs> yeah it worked out you're still using that adrenaline just kicked in differently yeah after the ring i couldn't look at a tv for the longest time mm-hmm. i would like watch tv and then when i turned off the tv i had to be in the other room and then i'd point the remote and turn off the tv <laughs> I would get so freaked out. And again, that was in seventh grade when I watched that. Yeah, that was one of the, because people are always like the early 2000s, like the horror genre was like on a decline. I'm like, um, I we had The Grudge, which was a solid remake. The Ring was a solid remake. Um, of course, I'm like blanking on all the other movies that were around that era, but like. I feel like the 2000s was more paranormal. A bit, Isn't yeah. because when like we got Paranormal Activity, that was. Yeah. In signs, as you mentioned, that was signs. like earlier in that. Yeah, it was definitely like we were over the slashers. Even like the scream sequels were like starting to like you know scream three was kind of it just kind of showed up and people were like oh and then it was done. Uh, and then yeah, like things did get more paranormal now that you mentioned it. Yeah, it was a lot of like ghosts, aliens, spirits, mm-hmm. possession movies came back. Well, because Paranormal Activity came out and it was like. It basically dethroned Halloween as the highest grossing indie film of all time. And everyone's like, oh, cool. Let's just do that, which is what they did with Halloween when it came out. They said, oh, Friday the 13th. And that just kept going. Right. What's another holiday that's creepy? (laughs) We can rip off, literally. (laughs) I'm still waiting because, like, we're getting we're finally getting like Thanksgiving. Have you seen the trailer for the new Thanksgiving? I haven't yet, but that was like an easter egg in another movie right is that i think so yeah it was like advertised it were like it popped up in another movie for a second but now we're finally gonna get like a thanksgiving day movie like a horror Mm -hmm. movie i'm very excited because i think we need to give halloween a break start giving other holidays yeah (laughs) demon like have fun like flag day give flag day like a monster (laughs) god that would be great or easter give easter a really good like a murderous I feel Easter like there bunny. is one that probably yeah that already exists doesn't it so um easy. there's a great as we were talking about um AMC plus and speaking of Eli Roth because I think Thanksgiving oh, is yeah. his movie right um mind you he started a whole movement along with Saw and like the whole torture porn era in the early 2000s was like between Hostel Saw and all those types of movies that was a big thing too that's where all the like the gore was amped up but uh with he has a great show on AMC Plus called Eli Roth's History of Horror. And every episode focuses on a different subgenre of the horror genre. So there's like a ghosts episode, a holiday episode where they talk about Silent Night, Deadly Night and April Fool's Day and Happy Death Day. And all, like it's such a great show. You know, they do. And it's like talking head interviews with like Tarantino, with uh, Jamie Wait, Lee. Where is this AMC Plus? AMC Plus. Eli Roth's History of Horror. Everyone listening, everyone watching, check it out. It's so great. This month especially. It's like 
and then they did i think they did a season in 2021 and the first episode was like uh disease so it was talking about contagion it was like you know we're a year after COVID. they're talking about yeah quarantine contagion of i think virus they talk about it they talk about a whole bunch of there's like actually a couple like underrated movies that actually do quite a bit of deep cuts with these they don't talk about just the mainstream ones um but yeah great show really cool interviews and sort of like bringing up movies that you may not have even heard of i didn't hear about most of them because those are all like direct to video movies in the 80s yeah. and it's you know deep cuts, you can access like, those no now. one watches yeah <laughs> right because like where would you find it right sleepaway camp was another one you know like all these types of movies like okay yeah i'll check this out yeah. <laughs> so um before we dive into the movie and sort of break it down um, i want to do a little bit of a deep dive into the production of the movie okay. so with a Halloween, it was John Carpenter was just coming off of the success of his first feature. I believe it was his first feature, Assault on Precinct 13. And he was contacted by producer Erwin um, Yablons, who came up with the concept of a serial killer stalking babysitters in a quiet town setting. And Yablons did some research and he found that there had not been a film with the word Halloween in it up until that point. So he figured, well, that's the perfect backdrop for our movie. So they called it Halloween. And then they got the funding. It was made for just about $300,000, which with inflation is about $1.4 today, which is about the same budget that Saw had, which takes place in like two rooms. And it's funny, both X and Pearl also were made for a million dollars, but that's like today. That was like a couple of years ago, which is insane oh that they made it at such a low budget, but also it was a lot of young actors and people you never really, you know, they could get them from, get them on the cheap. <laughs> I mean, Britney Snow and X still gets me. Oh yeah, I I watched X like three times, mainly just for <laughs> Britney Snow, because watching her come out from that like strip club with the gator right next, I <laughs> I didn't even realize that until like the third time, and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> what a great movie. Yeah, um, she was in Prom Night, the Prom Night remake. Yeah. Oh, she was I great in it too. That. I thought it was Fantastic. pretty solid. There yeah. was a couple, again, this is like up. early 2000s. There's a couple of those remakes that were really good. I really liked When a Stranger Calls as well. Oh, I thought Stranger that one Calls was really was fantastic. well done. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Halloween, with its $300,000 budget, went on to gross $47 million at the box office and became the highest grossing independent film of all time for decades until Paranormal Activity came along. And a fun fact about the role of Dr. Loomis. So Peter Cushing, who many folks know, I believe he played Van Helsing in one film, one of the many Dracula movies of that time. And he was also, of course, 
Governor Tarkin in Star Wars. Um, and then Christopher Lee, who was Dracula in one of the Dracula films and had done a bunch of horror movies. They were both offered the role of uh, Dr. Loomis, but it ultimately went to Donald Pleasance, um, who, you know, when you think of like the ultimate Bond villain, it's Donald Pleasance. I forget the name of the Bond movie, but it, but Dr. Evil is based on him. He was like bald. He had the scar. He had the cat, the gray suit. Like that's Dr. Evil. That's who they're oh, making fun funny. of. It's oh. icon. But uh, he had just done that a few years before, and uh, he was only filming for five days of the 20 day shoot. So they did all of his scenes within a couple of days because, you know, he was arguably like the, the name in the movie because this is Jamie Lee Curtis's first film. Um, all the other actors were fairly unknown. I think only the actress who played Linda, um, PJ Souls, I think I'm not sure if she had done Carrie already, but she either went on to do Carrie as like the main cheerleader bully girl or she had already done it. Then uh, Nancy, I think Nancy Loomis was her name at the time. Uh, she had done John Carpenter's previous film, Assault on Precinct 13. So these are all basically John calling in favors from friends like, hey, want to do my movie? And there were many hats being worn by many different production crew members. Multiple people ended up playing Michael Myers for certain shots where like they had sent Nick Castle home, but they're like, oh, wait, we need this one shot of him just standing there. And then it's funny. There's like one shot in the movie where you can tell that it was someone else because Myers is from a distance, but he's like, oh, he's shorter <laughs> in this <Yeah>. shot <laughs> or he's walking funny. Uh, or Why yeah, it was so tiny. <laughs> I'm scared uh, right now, but but yeah, breaking down the movie itself. So the film opens up with this, you know, iconic sequence. Uh, many people think it's one shot. They couldn't physically do it because they're using film. I think they cut like one or two different times. I think the first time they cut is when like the mask comes on. That's where they could right. do like a clean cut, and then oh they gosh. kept filming from there. Uh, but opens up with this tracking shot. It's this point of view of an unknown individual picks up a kitchen knife. It's on a mask, heads upstairs and stabs this young woman. She yells out the name Michael. So we're assuming, okay, this is someone named Michael. They know each other. And then the person leaves the house. The mask is taken off. And you see a six-year-old in a clown costume holding a bloody knife, just like catatonic. What? Like talk about like a twist opening like there probably wasn't another twist opening like that until like i don't know scream maybe like yeah those types of openings that just like stay with you i think that's kind of the most memorable not to you know say anything about the rest of the movie but arguably one of the most memorable sequences in the whole movie yeah absolutely just watching a kid with a knife that's pretty that's pretty dangerous right (laughs) what if he slipped There's no stunt pay. This movie was made for nothing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, kid, that kid probably got three bucks and they were like, just hold the knife. Yeah, just hold it up. Yeah, that was a great shot. And yeah. it was. It was the first like reveal that we get, but it's like immediate. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, it wasn't that's a weird hard. twist ending. It's like, nope, twist is up top. You yeah. buckle twist up, is, kids. You know exactly who it is from like jump. Yeah. And it's a child. <laughs> And then uh, 15 years later, uh, psychiatrist Dr. Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance and nurse Marion Chambers, make their way to Smith's Grove uh, to take Michael to court. But they find there are several patients wandering out on the grounds during a storm. They realize something's up and Michael ends up escaping, steals their car. Someone gave him driving lessons at some point, and he makes his way to Haddonfield. <laughs> and then we meet Laurie Strode, a high schooler. 
who notices that same car is parked outside of her classroom. It's following her friends around town. And there's a guy with like a mechanic's jumpsuit and a weird white mask who's stalking them from a distance. And Lori and Annie go on to babysit on Halloween night. Unbeknownst to them, still being stalked by Michael. And one by one, Annie, Linda, her boyfriend, Bob, are all killed by Michael before coming after Lori. Uh, Lori becomes like the penultimate final girl uh, and survives the night thanks to Dr. Loomis, who shoots Michael six times off of the second floor balcony of the house. Loomis rushes to the window to see the body, and it's gone. And then we just hear Michael's eerie breathing from under the mask in that creepy theme. And the boogeyman remains at large. So, Gerardo, looking back at the movie, what did you love? What sticks out to you the most? Um, first of all, I'm I love the term scream queen. And <laughs> I think this was the original scream queen. Did we have somebody before her? No, that Jamie was like, Lee was definitely no, the right? first. She coined the phrase the scream queen because of her screaming. Mm-hmm. I a a that was my favorite part. Anytime she screamed, I was just like, wow. What a great scream. Because Lord knows that a lot of other horror movies, you know, I feel like it should be part of the audition process. Okay, cool. Give us your, like, give us a blood curdling scream. Absolutely. And well, so many times it's show? not. <laughs> no. Do you remember when there was, this was mid 2000s, maybe, or like earlier? I don't know. There was that Scream Queens reality TV show where they were looking for the next Scream Queen that was going to star in uh, like Saw 5 or something. Saw 5 or, yeah. 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 Random. I they none of them really did justice. There's only one girl on there that maybe could scream, but then they had to do all these other challenges. Mm. How was Jamie Lee not really in that? How dare they? She oh right, you'd think she'd be like a guest host or something. You think she'd at least be the judge or a judge for an episode? No, she didn't even. They did not nothing with her. They're like, go away. (laughs) Fucking love Jamie Lee. Um, what else sticks out? Something else that sticks out for me is always. uh, I'm a huge Real Housewives person. So the fact that Kyle Richards, is <laughs> the sister, always gets me. I was rewatching it and I was like, "That's Kyle Richards." Yeah. Look at her. And sister. she comes back for and like the, the new ones, and she does great. I was, you know, she she's hasn't acted solid. in Lord knows how long, and she's so, she was so yeah. good. I was, you know, I thought it'd be like the Shut most like cheen, uh, scene Brindy, chewing yeah. performance ever, but it was really good. I love like the long those long tracking shots they did. I remember there's um, I'm a huge obviously horror nerd and a huge documentary nerd too, especially when it comes to filmmaking. So there's this one, there's another series on Netflix called the movies that made us Uh, every episode focuses on different movie. The Halloween one was really great, but they talked about how of the $300,000 budget, I think they used like 75,000 for the camera, which was um, a Panaglide camera, which you like strap on to Steadicam. But it yeah, gives yeah. you those long tracking shots instead of like like walking shots yeah, that we get those follow like shots point of view. Yeah. yeah. It just gives yeah. like that cleaner, eerie, like just you're following your in their footsteps. And that's almost like off-putting because you're like, oh, so I'm being stalked now. Cool. That <laughs> it just sets up that tone. It's so well done. Um yeah. but it's also it's funny really though, because when you notice, you know, I've worked as a background actor a ton over the years. And you just notice everything in the background of movies these days. So one of the funny things is when you're watching it, there's certain shots where it's very clear they're not in Illinois. You're like, oh, they're in Los Angeles because there's palm trees in the background that they didn't take out. (laughs) Uh, But in the documentary, they said that they had like 
you know, they filmed in the spring. So they could only find like two pumpkins. So they couldn't redo like the takes of like Tommy falling and like crushing the pumpkin because they're like, we've got two of these. We have to get it. Yeah. (laughs) And then like reusing it for a jack-o'-lantern in an earlier scene and then, you know, turning it around so that it's just like a new pumpkin. Um, And yeah, the low budget filmmaking. Yeah. Um, Mind you in future ones, I think they had to paint like watermelons and gourds and things like that. Cause you just couldn't find anything yeah. uh, for those later sequels. Cause they always filmed in the springtime cause they wanted it to come out like, you know, six months later and they had like two garbage bags full of painted leaves to be like Brown and orange fall. Yeah. Cause it just, but everything else is like bright green. The grass is luscious. The trees are, you know, bright green, even though there's like Brown leaves everywhere. It's, but it's just, it only, it only happens when you're like paying attention to that stuff, but otherwise you just love the atmosphere of the movie. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I have like, you're like, life. look how bushy this grass is. It would <laughs> never be that bushy if it was really the time. <laughs> I've never even looked at that. Now I'm going to go mm-hmm. back. No, I'll look at it. <laughs> well, once you watch these like documentaries of like the making of the movie, it like, you just can't watch it the same after that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I mean, the score of the movie as well. I mean, it's just like an oh, iconic yeah. score. I think John did it in like three days. He only had like that long to do it. And it was just him and a synthesizer. And it sounded like an orchestra, yeah. uh, which is brilliant because, you know, these days scores are like still, you know, think of like Star Wars or these big movies. It's like a full orchestra and a professional recording. And this is just him and a synthesizer. And um does the same thing for the modern scores for the newer halloween films he did the scores for that and it was just a couple of cents yeah i didn't know that (laughs) wow you're blowing my mind with this (laughs) good for him wow i feel like in most movies nowadays we don't even get like real scores it's just like one person on a piano and then they just like add bullshit to it later and they're like look at the score we've made for this one song that we have and then we (laughs) add lady gaga to the to the vocals and then here we go. We made a score. It's like, yeah. no, you made a song. You made a song. Good for you. Now, sort of going to the opposite, is there anything you didn't like in the movie? Um, I think my mind now has just been like, I'm more, uh, I like newer stuff because of the quality mm-hmm. of certain videos, but I still appreciate so much of what they did do. So for me, like the shots where he's just standing by the fence mm-hmm. and she's just like upstairs and we're looking down and I'm like, that's him. I love that. And I hate that at the same time. <laughs> I love that. And I hate it at the same time. Cause now I'm like, couldn't we hide him a little better? I mean, he's literally, it's broad daylight. It's broad daylight. It's summer in California. And that man's in a jumper. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> but like, have you watched the nun? Yes, I have. Okay. So one of the things I think it was the director that was talking about, he wanted to create the silhouette of the nun anywhere you kind of looked. And now that is imprinted in my mind where I'm like, oh, right. If I think I see the shape of a nun, I'm immediately terrified because he has trained me now to see the shape of a nun or the idea of a nun and be like, murderer, demon. (laughs) And I wish they almost took that. And we're like, why don't we give the silhouette of what Mike Myers would look like and just put it in different places? Yeah. I would have loved that. But I still love those shots because they're classic. He's standing by like, I think it's like sheets that are being dried outside. And I'm like, right, right. there's a man in a worker's uniform. <laughs> Does no one see this? And he has this white mask on. What are we doing? 
I think that's the only thing that I'd be like, maybe not, maybe not this. Yeah. You'd think that because he's like among sheets, they would hide it a little better. It's like, you already have cover. It's not just him in a field. It's like, you can hide him. But mind you, it's very funny when like, for like these newer films or like the many, many remakes and multiple reboots and mm -hmm. all of that that's been done. I think it's like, what, 13, 15 movies in this whole franchise. This is insane. Yeah. Um, what is it? There's eight, the two Rob Zombie, and then the three. So 13 total. And they still want to make more, which is insane. But uh, once you find something to make money, you're going to you're going to milk it. And that's yeah. what they're doing. Boy, I just hope they get good writers because, you know, the quality of the script just continued to go down and down. And thankfully, the wine scenes aren't going to be involved because they kind of ruined the last couple of films because of their over involvement. Um, they were the wine scenes. Yeah, they were head. They were the head of dimension films which did like oh okay yeah, six yeah. h2l and resurrection they were in charge of those mm -hmm. and those are like sorry that's like three of the worst ones except for h2l that one was like actually a really really solid movie i love that one but you know resurrection come on that movie was absolute garbage wait now i'm trying to remember which one resurrection is where they're like doing the they have cameras strapped to their heads they're trying to like survive oh, the night and they're in like surviving house. the night there yeah 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 the rhyme says trick or treat motherfucker and Tyra Banks is in it for some reason like just it's just oh god that's great that right. was at least LL Cool J acted really well in H2O but you know you've got Buster Rhymes just improving and they leave it all in which is very confusing Anyway, back to this Halloween. Yeah, go back to this one. I was like, oh my God, that was awful. Okay. <laughs> I personally don't have much that I like that stands out to me that like I didn't like. Maybe some of the kids' performances. Like, okay, kids, let's bring it down. Jamie's at a seven, you're at a twelve. Let's let's match the energy here. But you know, they're kids working a low budget movie. Can we really complain? So who do you think gave the best performance? Who stands out to you the most? Jamie. Jamie's number one. I will say Donald, I, I do enjoy Donald because I just find him like, he chews the scene a little bit for me, which <laughs> I love because I'm like, oh, right, you are the lead. And I think maybe he went into it in my mind. I have I need to go back and watch documentaries and see what actually happened. In my mind, he was like, let me just make this chicken shit film and let's see what happens. <laughs> Michael is evil. He's the embodiment he's of all the, things. Uh, of... Yeah, yeah. He is the embodiment of the devil in hell. <laughs> I think he was just really gone. And, and yeah. yeah. I like the friends as well. They weren't like standout performances, but I just love like the chemistry that was among them. It's funny how they oh, sort of cute. wrote the script. So um John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, who was his girlfriend at the time, she also was a producer of the movie, they co-wrote the script together. Right. So he wrote the like the Dr. Loomis stuff and the Michael Myers stuff. And uh Deborah focused on like the girls dialogue the girls. because oh that's cute it's like you give us you know a straight white guy like write teenager talk and it's going to be completely different from what another from what a woman writes um and I just love there's this one I wrote down this quote specifically because it's just a funny moment I thought you were babysitting tonight. the only reason she babysits is to have a oh, place shit to... I have a place for that it is such a under it's such a like because you know there's this isn't a comedy so it's not like a type of moment like but it's just such a funny line and deborah is so smart for writing that because it's like she's reacting to like the interruption and the lead the up actual, and like, it's so dialogue. clever yeah yeah that's really funny i didn't realize that i knew she wrote it but i didn't realize she 
focused on the girls because that makes yeah. a lot more sense that's sort of why i'm like oh these girls don't sound like fate they do sound just like right. girls in school very natural yeah just like talking about boys talking, talking about class boys and cheerleading practice yeah yeah, yeah. And it's like so of the time back when it was like normal to walk home in your small suburban town, to walk yeah, home from school, to pick up the kid you're babysitting, all of that stuff. I feel like now it's like so different. People don't like let their kids walk home. Un understandably, you know, that stuff's gotten like a lot worse with like, you know, kids getting abducted and whatnot. But yeah, it's just have such a good time. It feels, so, it feels so old school, you know? Yeah. Wait, have you ever babysat anybody? Like my not nephew. Your own? Okay. yeah another like not family but like another person's kid. oh no are you kidding no really? absolutely not i don't i don't want to take care of anybody else's kids what i'll take care of my nephew because i know him and i like him but yeah <clears throat> yeah other, other people's kids no mind you i was i'm one of like 20 something cousins on my mom's side so like there's always an older cousin to watch up to you so like we never even had like a stranger look after us it's always like oh your cousin's coming oh, over your you? grandma or whoever yeah yeah. What so about you? Okay. Did you ever babysit? Yeah, Were have. you babysat by strangers like that? Uh, I was babysat by like neighbors hmm. if we needed anything, but we were like, they weren't strangers. We like knew them. Right. Like they were like the older sister, like our neighbor's older sister. And she would hmm. always just be there and be like, okay, we're here. I have babysat in the city and it's wild. <laughs> it's wild babysat. It's like the taking city. the subway by themselves. I've like witnessed it. They're just like with their backpack and they're walking home. I'm like, what on earth? Absolutely not. Not in my house. Yeah. Oh, so it's like, what's the other option? Everything alone. Right. Yeah. What are they going to do? Get in a car, which they can do, but they don't want to. I <laughs> once had an eight year old be like, why are we going to get an Uber? The train's right there. And I was like, we have to go to Brooklyn. They're like, the train goes to Brooklyn. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Weird. Babysitting kids in the city. It's yeah. wild. Wild. Just the, the little adults already. I feel like they just grow up so desensitized yeah. to everything. They're like, yeah, public transit. I'm part of the public. Let's go. <laughs> it's even worse. They're like little New Yorkers. It's, right. it's on top of just being like an adult. It's like, oh, you're an adult in New York now, but you're this tall and like yeah. still read like the magic treehouse or something. I don't know what kids read now, but. If anything, I feel like latchkey kids are like more prominent, at least in the city. People are like, okay, you go in, you lock the door, you don't open it for anybody. Yeah. So they give you the password or whatever, you know, <laughs> but with the, with Halloween, are there any characters or sort of like moments like characters that have sort of like broken out into pop culture or at least moments that you've noticed are like have been replicated in other horror movies that have like remained part of the zeitgeist? I think the three of them, just even having the three girls together has mm -hmm. it. We always have that trifecta now. Yeah. I think most successful movies like horror movies have the three stereotype girls you have the one who's like you have the lori the main one and then you have like uh what's her name uh nancy mm -hmm. nancy no annie whatever her name annie is. played well, by yeah, nancy yeah. loomis yeah yeah played Sorry. by nancy there we go yeah i was like what's your name i always do that i mix up their names and then the character um you always have like the studious one and you have the party girl it's always like the trifecta of like one wants to get like laid and go out the other one's like i don't know i don't think we should be doing that and then you have the main girl who's like guys can't we all just get along and <laughs> it's it's everywhere and i don't i'm yeah. assuming this kind of started it because oh for sure see, like yeah. yeah even like i know what you did last summer classic yeah Three there's girls. at least two i've noticed there's at least, at least like one two. is a bit more introverted while the other one's party girl like with scream you have sydney you have sydney 
and um, um, Tatum played by Rose McGowan. She's mm-hmm. like the party girl with the wild boyfriend. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, with uh, what's other uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you have Nancy, Nancy Thompson, mm-hmm. who's like the quiet girl and her friend who's like the pretty blonde with the with the hot boyfriend and and, always yeah or they're cheerleaders and they're like oh i'm just like the most popular it's always that dynamic and i Mm -hmm. think that is everywhere now because of the success of that yeah yeah definitely started that trend and it wasn't just like oh horror movies with the guy with the knife it's like no all of it there's like an older character who's maybe like the the wise sage who like might come in and save the day or who knows who it is and he's hunting him down or whatever or um just like all those sheriff not to call them trope there's always a cop yeah there's like a dewey in (laughs) in scream always a dewey yep uh nancy's dad in nightmare on elm street's the cop like you know it you're so right it is in every single one yeah except for maybe friday the 13th it's kind of like those movies are just any character there's just cannon fodder it's you know they're they're there to die sadly (laughs) And, you know, that whole, the idea, the concept of a final girl started with this movie. You know, after this, you had uh, Ellen Ripley in Alien. You had Nancy Thompson in, in Nightmare on Elm Street, Sidney Prescott. And now with the newer movies, you have Sam and Tara Carpenter um, with Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega. And, and, you know, they're sort of the new final girls. And, of course, you have, you know, in terms of zeitgeist, everybody knows who Michael Myers is. This franchise is 45 years old. It's it's we've had like we said 13 movies in that time. And it's like it's always remained out there. Everybody knows the theme song when they hear it. They're like, oh my God, that's a Michael Myers song. You know, or <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And they might not even seen the movie. They just know the mask. No, they just the know the mask. Yeah, they get it. Yeah. Yeah. I do love that. And even in the evolution of all of these like horrible murders, they still keep everything almost exactly the same but like just slightly tweak it yeah. like when they decided to give Ghostface like a bedazzled uh little little outfit were you there <laughs> I think that's two were you there were you there for that no <laughs> uh they like bedazzled it thinking no one would notice they're like we just want to give a little bit more panache to to yeah. Ghostface give a little bit more to do and everyone's like wait why is this thing full of glitter like what right. happened why is y'all sparkly why is y'all sparkly? and yeah randomly just chasing people being like very clumsy though not a great choice of outfit no and they're always in boots too you ever notice that whenever they show Ghostface's shoes always like combat boots big and this flowing gown always tripping fringe always tripping like fringe on the bottom like this little dress what what why (laughs) why did you put that on I I will say I think Michael Myers has like the best of all the outfits his is the mm-hmm. most practical. He's like, I'm here to work. Right. <laughs> I'm here to work. We're here I'm... to work. We're chopping heads. We're it's so funny though, because like he always has the same outfit and it's like never the same one because he's been arrested or captured or like in the beginning of four, he's in an ambulance. So he's in like the gown. So he always has oh, to right. find a mechanic to kill them and take their clothes. He's like, wait, guys, consistency. I'm going to. He's never in an orange jumpsuit from prison. He's never in any other outfit. It's always the mechanics always, jumpsuit. Poor mechanics are not safe so, in Haddonfield. Gas no. stations beware. <laughs> yeah. Either that or I would just, if I if I lived in that town, I would make sure any mechanic had just like a bright pink mechanic jumpsuit. So that <laughs> if, if he was you in know. the hill, I don't think he'd like steal a bright pink mechanic <laughs> jumpsuit. He'd be like, damn it. Let me see if I can get it. And then you just spot it. You can spot it real quick. Very easy. 
That's yeah. I did not think about that. He always does find a mechanic yeah. somehow. Even in uh, the 2018 one, he ends up at a gas station. Yeah, the gas station. Same thing. Like... Kills a mechanic, steals his jumpsuit. It's been done like four or five times. It's so funny when that yeah. happens. He's sort really of strong. sort of going off of that. Um, in this movie, do you have a favorite kill? So it's a strange question to ask, but which one's no, like? I love that question. That's a mm. great question. Um, I have to think. I'm. I can go first. I don't know if I have a. Go first. Yeah. Okay. Go first. Let me. Let me. Let me think. So my and I, this is one of those like sort of iconic ones because it's been done so many other times throughout the franchise. But Bob's with the knife being pinned through him and he's up on like the cabinet door or something and him just mm-hmm. staying there and Michael sort of like tilting his head. Like I, th- I remember John appear in like one of the documentaries, John told Nick Castle who plays Michael, like once, once you do like, once you like stab him, like just kind of stand there and like tilt your head a little bit. And Nick didn't really get it until he saw the actual footage. And he's like, Oh, it's like, he's admiring his work. Cause he's so That's theatrical. Magical. Like, you know, he did the whole, the ghost sheet and put his glasses over it and um uh later with uh with annie he puts like his sister's tombstone over her bed like he's very theatrical when it comes to his kill so it is very much sort of like he's admiring his work which is like such a smart bravo john carpenter you know that was such a tiny little note and of course that head tilt has been overdone to death throughout the franchise every kill he's like oh it's like okay little much guys (laughs) I do like it. They a lot of franchises love to do one thing that was really successful and be like, let's put it everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Like even if he's just standing there looking, just have him be like, <laughs> that's kind of weird. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I do like. I, you're right. I do love when he pierces Bob and then just like holds him up there, which he does a lot. Like there are so many times in the movies. Yeah, he takes somebody with anything. In It'll four, like, he did it pincher, with the with the shotgun he like put the whole shotgun through her body and pinned her to the oh wall oh my god right and like threw her to the wall yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah jesus and I then mean, in the 2018 I... one which again fresh in my mind because i just watched it a few days ago he does it to the babysitter's boyfriend but it's like through his neck or something like from behind and like lifts him we don't actually see it, it happen oh. we don't see that one happen it's kind of like the aftermath like one of the cops comes in and He's there up on sure. the wall with like the knife in the back of his head, like through his neck. Mm-hmm. And that's what's like oh, holding right, him to right, the right. wall. Possibly a little slight correction because people have always been like, there's no way that kitchen knife would go through his whole body and like be deep enough in the wall to like hold him up. But now it's like, okay, it's the neck. Small piece. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. How about no, now, guys? We heard your complaints. Okay, Thank physics majors. Yeah. Okay, so looking back, this movie is turning 45 years old this month. That's uh, insane. Yeah, when they did Halloween 2018, that was like the 40th anniversary, which is crazy that like it's already been five years since that trilogy started. But looking back at it at the end of the day, would you recommend this film to someone who's never seen it? Absolutely. I would do I would do Halloween now at this point, Halloween four, because I can't seem to shut up about it. Um, <laughs> it's a solid I sequel. Do... I really like that one. I really do. It It's cute. It's cute. I, I did. I did enjoy it, but. I should not have, I should have watched Halloween 4 and then Halloween. Um, uh, and then I would always recommend H2O. I think H2O is so funny. Oh, it's great. And it's it has Scream like written all over it. It's Kevin Williamson yeah. came in and did like some rewrites and stuff and did like the teenager dialogue because he's so good at that. Smart. Yeah. But he didn't have like an official writing credit on it because I think he technically like 
the whole writer's guild thing like he didn't contribute enough to the script to get an official credit to get a it's credit. like you punched up some dialogue that's about it like you can Damn. get like they give him a producer credit i think to like still involve him and have his name attached but sure um because it wasn't his initial story it wasn't his initial draft it's like you just did a little bit of rewrite it's like some ghost writing you know they usually don't get credit for that but it's kevin williamson i mean come on yeah you know creator of oh, the dawson's creek and the vampire diaries like he went on to do so much later i do the more we're talking about this about like people separately writing for like one niche it is fascinating when it works and when it doesn't work yeah i do thoroughly enjoy that because like mm-hmm. right why would you get someone who actually knows how to write and writes well for like teenagers we don't right. need just like old white men just being like this is how um Pamity pam pam speaks to her her bestie Right. in the locker room <laughs> i did not i don't know why i didn't even think about that that's pretty great that makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense now yeah it's always interesting seeing on like shows and movies and stuff when you're like oh this was clearly written by a 35 year old who like has no idea how teenagers talk like teenagers don't yeah. do they still talk in text to speak these days like i don't L-O-L. think they are Right, I don't, like no one really does that anymore. Like I feel like I didn't actually know anyone who actually did. No one did it at the time. No one no. ever did it at the time. They just like decided to write kids like that because they thought that's how they spoke. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, but um, I mean, I obviously would absolutely recommend this movie. Uh, anyone that wants to watch it, it is. I believe it's streaming on Peacock. It's streaming on AMC Plus. It's pretty much everywhere. Um, you obviously can buy it on digital and all of that, but Gerardo, thank you so, so much for joining us today. And, uh, for anyone listening for whoever's watching, if they want to give you a follow on social media, where can they find you? Uh, my social media, I believe my Instagram is the Gerardo NYC. Um, cause I'm from Florida and, uh, that's it. Yeah. That's where I post anything that is happening. Awesome. And yeah. to all of our moviegoers, you can give us a follow at our main Instagram account at Actors with Issues for all updates regarding all of our podcasts. Give me a follow at Juan Yala Official. And if you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it may be, please be sure to subscribe to the show to never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed our chat, leave us a rating or review. Give us a comment. Do you agree with us? Do you not agree? Let us know in the comments. I'm Juan Yala, and thanks for coming to the movies with us.